All right, welcome back to season four of Get to the Joke. I am Mark Stoudemire, the host, and I'm here with one of my favorite comics who I am have a super honored to get to talk to today, Mr. Monroe Martin, uh, living in New York City, but originally from Philadelphia. I got to know Monroe uh, by watching him uh, just slay on Last Comic Standing, become one of my favorites from that entire series. Uh, but he has been on many things like Comedy Central, NBC, Amazon Prime, and he is a regular at the renowned Comedy Cellar. Um, so please welcome Mr. Monroe Martin. Hi, Monroe. Thanks for being here today. Hey, what's going on, Mark? How you doing, man? Thanks I, I, for having me. No, no. I'm glad. I mean, we just saw each other in Hershey. I'm glad you survived, you know, the trip out there and back. Yeah. Uh, um, but I'm super excited for you to be here today. Um, I want to just kind of get started um, in just understanding a little bit about who you are and mm -hmm. I think the easiest question that I like to get to know someone is, what does the average day look like? It doesn't have to be like a weekend where shows are involved, just the average like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the life mm -hmm. of a comic. And you can go as much detail as you want to, uh, or you can keep it high level. It's completely up to you. Uh, I, I mean, show. I wish I was as organized as I would like to be, but my day pretty is pretty much... It's the same, but then it has other elements that change. You know, like I try to get up, uh, work out every morning. I wish that I can be like, you know, I write jokes and all that <laughs> shit. But most of my day goes to me, like I wake up, I I go for a run or a walk or walk my dog. Um, I meditate. I've done that. And then most of the time is just killing time into spots. Okay. You know, um, and in between every once in a while, I'll have like a meeting or I'm like, I'm working on stuff too. Uh -huh. So I'll like try to like, I said try, I have plenty <laughs> of time, but I'll try to like get myself to like sit down and work on things and like, um, like better myself. But most of the time, it's just me trying to figure out life. You know what I mean? I wish I could be like, yeah. oh, it's special, but it's not. It's just, you know, well, me killing time until it's time for me to go on stage. No, that's great. I mean, I mean, like what, like what time do you get up in the morning? It sounds like you have a pretty decent routine where you work out, walk the dog, you know, meditate. What time are you getting up after a probably a late I night? I get up spot? at, I get up at seven a.m. Okay. But that's that's really because my wife gets up at like five to leave the house, and then by the time she leaves the house, I'm like, ah, she done made enough noise. <laughs> like, well, you know <laughs> probably on purpose to get you up um yeah. <laughs> i mean but like i mean can you kind of pull back the curtain a little bit what kind of projects are you working on right now other than the stand-up um just like some putting together unscripted ideas i can't go into that detail but okay. you know trying to just work around the writer strike like the writer strike uh, kind of made me go oh all right well even though the writers are on strike, the people who create non-scripted shows and all those things are still working. So yeah. I'm like, maybe I should start really sitting down and trying to develop those type of ideas and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Really cool. Uh, so I mentioned at the beginning, I got to know mm -hmm. you and not really know you, but I got to see who you were from last comic standing and you were pretty mm -hmm. new to stand up, right? Weren't you one? I mean, I remember that was like a yeah, big it was like target five of you. years. In, yeah. Yeah. I was like five. I think I was like, yeah, five years in at that point. Were you in Philly yeah. at the time or had you moved to New York by that point? I had moved to New York at that point. I left Philly in 2010. Okay. That's when I moved to New York. Yeah. Hi. 
I'm assuming if you're still watching at this point that you're enjoying the episode. Uh, if you like this episode and you want to see more, please do me a small favor and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, that is awesome. I love seeing subscribers go up. That means people are enjoying what I'm doing, which makes me feel good. So please uh, do that if you're uh, really liking this. Um, and if you want to, check out my website, markstod.com. Please feel free to contact me on the website. I respond to every email, every email I respond to. Leave a comment. And the thing too, I get back to most of those as well. Um, and that's it for me. Enjoy the rest of uh, the episode. Okay, yeah, we're going to jump around yeah. all about your life here today. We're not going to have a, yeah, a very chronological uh, yeah. thing. But uh, I uh, I wanted so how did you get picked? Because this is when I think Last Comic Standing did it right. They got rid of the kind of goofy auditions that weren't even probably legit to begin with because they already knew. Who no, they, they still did all the goofy auditions. Oh, they, they did? did all of that they stuff. didn't show it? Oh, okay. So you had the audition to audition. So you had to audition to be on the – you had to send the tape. Okay. Then get on the show. Um, hold on, let me try to remember the the whole sequence. So it was submit a tape. Mm -hmm. Then if they like the tape, then they will fly you to LA to audition. Okay. Then you are and the audition's like two minutes. Mm -hmm. And there's like uh and a and it's like hundreds of comics. There's hundreds of thousands of comics all standing in the same hotel. Um kind of just like everybody's trying to mask their 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 just nervousness and all that stuff, but you yeah. don't see each other perform. Like it's all scheduled. It's all like, all right, Monroe, you got to be up there at one o'clock, and it's like maybe like even like fifteen minutes away. So then there's a person that takes you to okay. audition, and then you just audition, and then they send you on your way. Like okay. it's literally, like they don't even tell you that day if you got it. So I I went up, audition, did what I could do. There's like two people in a room. Um, and then as I was flying back, I got the email saying that nice. I got picked to actually do the televised audition. Okay. So then I landed, packed my things, then the next day flew back to LA and then had to do like the formal audition, which was in the televised one. Okay. You know? Yeah, and then that was still similar. Where <laughs> hundreds of comics, everybody's in a room. They got a camera in your face, and they're like, "How do you feel?" Uh -huh. And I'm kind of good at like zoning out. Like that's the benefit of like having that foster care background. Yeah. Where it's like I'm used to being around a group, like a shitload of people at one time, <laughs> and then I'm also I used to being by myself. Yeah, so. I know how to be alone in the crowd. So while everybody was like kind of like talking and putting on for the camera, I kind of just was like, I didn't even hide in the corner. I kind of just was like on my phone. I bought a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Not a Nintendo Switch, a Nintendo DS. I was playing yeah. that. And I was just like focused on my own energy. And um, I just focused on each performance. Like I didn't really try to like do the, what do the judges want? Or yeah. what does the show want? Cause I got good information, like maybe I got good information before my audition from, I think she was just like a PA or a producer or something like that. And she told me, she was like, Hey, I seen all the notes that they gave you on your set. Cause your set has to be looked at by uh, standards and practices, which is just lawyers and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, we've seen all the, I've seen all the notes that they gave you on your set, but it's really up to the judges in the crowd. So if you go up there and you kill and you do what you're supposed to do, 
they'll have no choice but to move you along. And I did that because yeah. it was more because she kind of made me see the thing, which is just like, don't play to the judges. Mm-hmm. Do what you do and mm-hmm. let them make that decision. That's awesome. No, wait. Um, you know what I mean? So did you? No, I know what you mean. I, well, I don't know what you mean. I've never been there. So, <laughs> um, um, so don't play to the don't yeah, play to what the show wants. Yeah, just do your the thing. Judges, the judges had no idea. The judges yeah. don't give a fuck. Like, they're not that yeah. behind the scenes. They're just... They somebody just knocks on their trailer door and yeah. goes, Kenan, Roseanne, um, Pete, y'all ready to come out? Come on. Uh, we're gonna we need you to sit here, put this makeup on. So they're not a part of the whole behind the scenes yeah. thing like that. They pick the people based on what they just seen them do. And that okay. was like good information that I got. And once she was like, Yeah, don't play to them, don't play to the network, don't play to what these lawyers may want, because they're not funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I just went out there and I did what I could do. That's awesome. And um, yeah, did did the I judges have? The, 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 I mean, you did great, man. I mean, I, you're still like probably the most memorable person from that season. And and uh, oh, you did you, no problem. <laughs> uh, uh, did um. Did the judges get full say? Because that was the thing that came up in the past last comic standing where the mm-hmm. judges were kind of figureheads and didn't. But you, you see them going through the notebooks and picking people. Mm-hmm. Were they actually yeah. once to picked you or was it the producers and stuff behind the scenes going? I wrong? think there I think it was a mixture. I think it was the judges going, yeah, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. This is who we like. And then now the network has to make a decision of like, all right, well. He already did that set. How much of that can we cut out? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of pre-tape stuff anyway. Yeah. You know, so I that's just me assuming, but they'll probably make that decision of like, okay, well, they like him. He was funny. Let's just push him through and see what he can do on this round and stuff nice. like that. So I think it was uh, a shared um, responsibility. Now, you had moved I, to New York yeah. City. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, you moved to New York City because people kept saying, Monroe, you've done all you can here in Philadelphia. Go to New York, mm-hmm. go to New York, go to New York. So when you submitted that tape, did you mm-hmm. have an in by going to L.A.? Or were uh, you a nobody? And they just were like, this guy's... I mean, we're it. all nobodies until, uh, until somebody's like, hey, yo! <laughs> I was hoping people were doing it for like 25 years. I forget the guy, like Rocky mm-hmm. or whatever. So some of them might have mm-hmm. had connections with some people yeah. that had decision to make. I don't know if you at the time would have been, what, 26? You were still a kid. You were probably one of the youngest Yeah, one that, yeah. Did you have the, yeah. did anyone kind of put your so, submission tape on top versus, you know, on the bottom? I don't think that was, I don't know about that. So, um... There's a bunch of time in between mm-hmm. me moving to New York and getting it. Like, I wanted to do Last Comic when I was living in Philly because Roy Wood Jr. had came through the mm-hmm. Laugh House, and he's, like, one of my favorite comics. Mm-hmm. And he came through the Laugh House to headline, and I remember just, like, watching him and saying he was headlining while he was on <laughs> Last Comic Center. Like, yeah. his set was airing while he was on stage. And I was like, I got to figure out how to do that show. Like, this dude is yeah. hilarious. And, and you know, you see somebody and you're like, that's whatever this person is doing. I got to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was t- like, I moved to New York 2010. And I guess last comic standing was, what, 2014? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, 2014. So in between that time, it was more of just like the grind, hitting open mics, making the mm-hmm. name for yourself and stuff. I was trying to explain the journey of comedy is like you're just running for like office yeah right like you're campaigning you're yeah. like every time you get on stage and you rock in front of like uh like a not even a big audience but just an audience 
like not shitty shows because that's shitty shows. There's plenty of shitty shows in New York, <laughs> and I don't want to be like I don't want like a comic to listen to this and be like, even if no one's there, you got to <laughs> give a hundred percent. Like you'll figure it out. You'll figure out what rooms you can fuck around in, and then mm-hmm. what rooms you have to kill in. Because the rooms that you have to kill in are the ones where they take that information and then they start spreading it like, hey, this person was funny. I've seen this dude over here and not that and the third. So I, you know, it's just you understand that and how to move. So the last comic standing thing, I didn't know anything about it. My roommate had got it. Like she just texted me. Uh, she just uh, hit me up that day and was like, hey. I, I just got an audition for Last Comic Stand. I was like, oh, shit, congrats. I didn't even know they were auditioning. Yeah. <laughs> so then I had spoke to my managers at the time. And I was like, hey, uh, I would like to audition for Last Comic. I heard they were bringing it back and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, we don't really think you'll be a good fit for that show. They're not really looking for like comics like you and this, that, and the third. That's not a really good show. And and then, like, I didn't take it negatively. I didn't take it negatively. I just kind of looked, I just kind of felt like they looked down on the show. They kind of, uh, they looked at the previous seasons and then mm-hmm. probably were like, all right, how many people from those previous seasons are household names? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lodges, yeah. Lushinger, freaking Roy Wood, yeah. uh, Felipe Esperanza. Like, I can name yeah. so many people that made me go, oh, well, they're still working off of that goddamn show. So I'm <laughs> glad that even when they were like, we don't think you should submit, we're not, they they were like, oh, we'll submit you if you want, but I know they didn't. Yeah. Because I did a follow-up, and I was like, hey, did y'all submit me? And it was like, yeah, we did. And then I had, um, I don't want to, I'm trying to carefully word this. Yeah. So I am, I got cool, now I'm cool with Wanda, but before that, I didn't really know Wanda, but I knew one of Wanda's, like, closest friends in comedy, mm-hmm. Keith, and then he asked me, he was like, hey, Dum Dum, you auditioning for Last Comic Standing? And I was like, oh, so they didn't want me. Like, I told, <laughs> like, I, they, he, they sent me, and then uh, my tape got sent in, and then it was just like, eh, they, they'll, they don't really want to, like, move you along, like, audition you. <laughs> And then he was like, yeah, they said that. And then he texts Wanda like, hey, did y'all look at Dumb Dumb's tape? And she went, they never <laughs> sent the tape. I never got a tape from him. But tell him to send the tape. So then I sent my tape directly to Keith. And then he sent it to her. And then like two days later, it was, then my managers were like, hey, you got an email saying that they, they, they actually liked your tape. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so then even just doing it, like my agent still like, even the night of the performance, they were still like, oh, man, don't get your hopes up too high if you don't make it this show, blah, 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 and this, then the third. And then you go up there, you do what you do, and then they go, man, yeah, we, we, we can probably figure out some things, man. You don't want to get – you don't even want to win. You just want to be top five because this, that, and the third. And you now their eyes are open, and yeah. now they're starting to go, oh, shit, maybe this is – the right move for him, you know. I'm hoping those are your ex managers so. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're so cool. They're my homies, though. <laughs> so did you? So did you get the Roy Wood treatment afterwards? Because did you after you got done? Absolutely did... not. <laughs> I still got a long ways to go, man. But I did you start? Long ways to go. So like you were. Fighting... I started headlining immediately. After did you have that. headline material? Did you? Were you doing 45 after like everyone in the world seen I... you on TV? I knew how to figure it out because okay. uh, prior to moving 
So when I, before I moved to New York, one of my best friends, he got a college agent and I would open up for him. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting the same college agent and she would just lace me with shows and stuff like that. So I'm, you like, I'm doing hours in 60, like 60 minute sets in front of mm-hmm. college kids. And that's harder than doing an hour in front of adults because adults don't give a fuck what you say. Kids, dude, they bitch and bitch and moan about everything because they don't really understand that much about the world. They only have their perception. Mm-hmm. So they hear certain words or hurt in certain things. So you got to learn how to maneuver. And I'm close to their age, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, at that moment, I still felt like I was like being judged by my peers. So a couple of years of doing that, like I learned how to figure like how to like figure it out up mm-hmm. there and like move around on stage and maneuver it and be like, all right, well, if I got 30 minutes, how much, where do I put the first 10? And then <laughs> well, I'll move this 10 over here and then I'll move and I'll close on this 10. So then I'll just have two spots where I can dick around for another 10 minutes, maybe do crowd mm-hmm. work, maybe, you know, improv on a bit that worked and just tag the fuck out of it until they're done talking. So mm-hmm. I had to learn a lot on my um, toes. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, dude, that's really interesting to like, think about just your career kind of got like uh like a steroid boost and mm-hmm. you were like on fire for like for yeah. like this pocket time. But then you've actually been able to maintain and sustain that career yeah, you know like a I lot don't of feel like it yeah. well, i think like i'm just thinking like a lot of people from last comics, i think what your managers were maybe saying was like um hey there's like a people f- fizzle out but like dude you're still killing it i mean you're a comedy yeah. seller comic and that is the mm-hmm. holy grail of a room for comedians um mm-hmm. and then you've been on tv like you've done i mean you think about what there's a million comics that probably exist in this country maybe even more mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what maybe five percent are in your yeah. category right now it's about 500 yeah. comics since had the credits you have and then on mm-hmm. top of that man like you're just you're tor- i mean you told me you're go- you know you're just out like were you at netherlands yeah. or something like that recently well, i'm or- going to the netherlands, going to netherlands october yeah. yeah i'm going late september early october yeah. through early october but i was in london and that was fun yeah i mean you're yeah. you're you're a full-time mm-hmm. comic and you can make yeah. a living a substantial living on that so that's no, that's mm-hmm. totally that's totally amazing man um yeah, thank you man and think yeah, about that like was because of the last comic that, yeah. The last comment got me into comedy clubs and it got my rate up at colleges. Yeah. Because when you first start doing college, it's just like 800 bucks. And they're like, <laughs> that, you also got to pay for your hotel and your flight. And you yeah. got to pay your uh your agent commission out of that. And it's like, so I'm doing the show for like $300. Yeah. You know? Nah. I, I, but let me, so let me ask you this, like, because like there's kind of like a fraternity or whatever with comedians where people like JB Smoove or Roseanne or Russell Peters or even, even mm-hmm. Keenan Ivory Wayans, who's not really a comic, but has a, you know, he's the godfather of, of, of mm-hmm. um, uh, comedy movies. Um, would you, yeah. did any of them hit you up after the show being like, yo, let me take you on the road with me or anything like that. Hit me up afterwards. No, but yeah. during definitely gave me good words of encouragement and tell me to keep, doing what i'm doing and mm-hmm. uh you know mm-hmm. but i feel like the the opener thing i i didn't i wasn't around them long enough to really okay. build that rapport up with them you know okay the behind the scenes thing is it's it's called hurry up and wait meaning yeah they wake you up at 6 a.m corral you in this room like everybody <laughs> gotta be up yeah eat breakfast and now you're in this conference room from like eight o'clock to 4 p.m 
and no one has talked to you and told you anything. The judges are in a completely mm-hmm. different part of the the building. They come in later, and so yeah. you never really had a time to like talk to these people. I developed my relationship with Wanda after the fact. Oh, okay. Like after the show was over, and um, she she was like, "Oh, you're funny and stuff like that." She told me to call her Aunt Wanda, and uh, <laughs> yeah, she's she's also been very encouraging. You know, cool, very cool. Yeah, so I, you never, about- now, I opened up for Wanda once at mm-hmm. the time. It was at the Ocean in Atlantic City. Oh wow! But she like yeah, she has her opener. A lot of yeah. people who do theaters and stuff like yeah. who like who's on her level, they mm-hmm. have their people. Oh, They've okay. known their people for decades. Mm-hmm. You know. So I so but it's I guess like against I feel like you're I don't know if you're if you're trying to be humble or modest, but like I look at you as somebody. I look at you in awe and what you've been able to mm-hmm. accomplish, especially when I hear your story and I hear about the fact that like. You talk about growing up in foster care, being in 15 different houses in 14 years, knowing that you'll never be adopted because your mother never wanted to give up the uh, Mm. biological rights. Um, And then also, I think I heard you talk about one time an interview where um, women have a much better rate of going through the system a lot easier than men did. And so you Mm -hmm. think about a lot of a lot of boys end up going through foster care or going to prison or or homeless. Mm -hmm. You think about the odds you've overcome, you know, Mm -hmm. it it is a huge it is huge foster. You you talk a lot about a foster care in your set and it does come from a place of like. I'm just going to be real about, you yeah. know, what this, it's not, it's not pretty, you're not going to get a pretty picture. It's a lot, it, yeah. nothing, it was roses, you know, as much as they paint commercials mm-hmm. on TV and the, you know, mm-hmm. the state's all about it. Like it's a rough go around. Most, you, I think you mentioned like most of the people that were took you in look, look to see like they got $500 yeah. as a check and mm-hmm. then a hundred dollars. They try to give you a hundred yeah. of it so they could profit yeah. off, profit off your head being there. Mm-hmm. Um, what how long did it take you to finesse talking about being a foster kid in your set without having people go, oh, or like, you know, do groanings or oh's or something like that? Because I I, I yeah. don't know initially how your first set went, but mm-hmm. how long did it take for people from all over the place, all diverse audiences to get on to get on your 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 level with with your jokes? Mm. I started talking about foster care because of Keith. He was definitely the talking one about Keith that, Robinson. Keith Robinson, that's okay. Wanda's uh, okay. best friend too. And um, yeah, he gave me great advice when I moved to New York. I met him maybe in like 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. and the advice that he was telling me, he was like, "Hey, man," because I was growing up there were jokes and stuff, and he was like, "Jokes, jokes are funny. No, but no one's going to remember any of that shit you were saying. They're just going to know you're what funny." And he was like, that's, that's just not the goal. The goal should have you, people should leave the show knowing more about you because then they know more about you. Then they spread the word. They can tell people how funny you are. They'll do the marketing. Mm -hmm. If you just, if you just bring yourself into your material. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't got shit to talk about. I'm young. I'm like, I I haven't really (laughs) done much with my life. He was like, what, like, what was your relationship with your mom and dad like? And I was like, well, I grew up in foster care, so I don't really have like that type of relationship. He's like, why don't you talk about that? He was like, that's better than whatever the fuck you can come up with. He was like, that life. He's like, I want to. I would rather hear you talk about you know, growing up in foster care, living with your mom now, and all that stuff. He's like, because then that allows you to talk about 
other shit because now people know you. Mm-hmm. They know where you come from, where you're coming from when you present these bits versus just presenting bits and then they got to figure out if you're an asshole or not, <laughs> how charming you are and shit like yeah. that. You know, so he told me that in like 2011 or 12 and then I started working on it immediately, bombing a lot. A lot of my friends were like, man, like I remember <laughs> them going, Oh, you you just gonna keep talking about this, making the audience sad, and then I was like, "This is," but I'm like, "This is this is what it takes to be the great." Like, yeah. I understood the the concept of like bombing down mm-hmm. to kill later. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm figuring out my footing. I'm figuring out my wording. I'm reading the room on how they react to stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm actively figuring it out while the set is going bad. And then once it started working and started clicking, I've just seen everything open up. And he was right. And then I watched some other friends be like, oh, so when you talk about the serious stuff, what's your technique? You're like, bomb, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you bomb until you fucking, you bomb and you listen. You just go, okay, mm-hmm. what didn't they like? All right, maybe I didn't explain this clearly. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time when you bomb, it's just that they don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I do. And yeah. do do when you're talking about the bombing, a lot of how did so bombing very I mean, I, what they say, you learn more from your failures and you do your successes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What what um coming up? I mean, if you can recall coming back up in that first five years before you made it onto NBC, um, mm-hmm. you probably want to make a good impression. You probably want yeah. to like, hey, how, how many times can you can you realistically bomb without like mm. your brain? Like I'm a failure. None of these comics yeah. are talking to me. No one's asked me mm-hmm. to do spots. What was your mm. what was your kind of uh, methodology to like where to bomb? When do you do something on a show if you're only doing open yeah. mics and then that kind of thing? Especially when it comes to foster care, because those jokes are they're mm. great jokes. And it's taking I can yeah. tell it's taking you a long time to get there. But like, mm-hmm. what? Thank you. What, uh... um that that was just more of so of like you you just figuring out which mm-hmm. rooms are good for what mm-hmm. so the rooms where I'm like eh, ain't nobody here mm-hmm. it's more comics than anything mm-hmm. and there's, there's there's no JFL scouts there's the, there's no one there there's okay no to me, like you can just look at the room and you go, all right, not talking down to the people, like the people on the show, but you can go, all right, none of these people are at these clubs or or doing this. Everybody's just trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. I can fucking bomb here. I don't care. It's not gonna, it's not gonna do much, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then on the big shows, I would just sandwich it in the middle. Okay. You know, like you open up with a joke that you that you know works, and then once they get to know you a little bit, then you slip that in. But that's when I was like, well, I think I got to do the reverse. So once I got my first laugh mm-hmm. with the foster care stuff, like the first hard laugh, I just moved all that material up front. And yeah. That's how I started my show. Because now I'm like, all right, I got two. It took at least like a year to get a funny five minutes about growing up in foster care, mom being on drugs, dad mm-hmm. doing this, X, Y, and Z. This is mm-hmm. the type of parents I live with. And it wasn't even it wasn't even like a uh, a through line. It was more of like, here's a joke about this. Here's a joke about this. Here's a joke about this. Here's a joke about these mm-hmm. elements of foster care. And then once I kind of put them up front, and then I was like, all right, well now let me kind of stretch it out and yeah. figure out the other shit that goes in the middle. But um, 
Yeah, let me, New York is the perfect place for bombing, though. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect place to just, you can get up like five, not five, yeah, you can get up five times a night if you wanted to. But that's like more young comics do that shit. Yeah. Like, now, like you know, like yeah. now I'm like, I mean, like twice or whatever, if you got a thought mm-hmm. in your head and you want to work some shit out. Mm-hmm. But at that time, when I was just hitting the, the, the produce shows and the mics and any spots I can get, I was getting up like five times a night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was able to like really tighten some material and stuff like that. But I would say it took me a solid year to get uh, the foster care material to the point where people didn't see, like, people didn't think I was sad. Because the audience yeah. just wants to know you're fine. Yeah. You don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like everybody tries to play the, oh Yeah. Uh, but we all love fucking carnage. We all love <laughs> hearing stories about hardship but as long as we know the person's okay yeah as long as we know at the end they're fine they made it out we will listen to that 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 fucked up story and then if you make it funny then it's to them they're like oh shit this is great so i'm talking about mom being on drugs and all that stuff and once i started getting a laugh i watched the audience go from oh shit oh (laughs) oh wow oh Oh damn! You know, I my mom went. My mom was on that shit too. Or, oh yeah, my dad wasn't around when I was younger. I had a cousin in foster care, so you just kind of watch people connect with it, you know? Yeah. And then that was to me that was the most important thing too. I learned about connection because the first time I not even the first time I started performing, but for a good while until I moved to New York, I you would just tell your jokes at the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you just go up there. I'm saying you, but I would. I would yeah. go up there. I had, I I had funny jokes for the type of comic I was at the time, but I wasn't talking to them. I was talking. I was talking at them. So my approach had nothing to do with what was happening in the room. You know, I was just open with a joke, and the joke wouldn't even be like, "Hey, everybody, how are you?" Like, you, even though some people go room. Don't say hi to the audience. Why not? If you're about to talk to them for 20 minutes to an hour, get comfortable. Let them know you're a person. Mm-hmm. You know? So how do you kind of let the audience know then that you're fine? Especially back in those days when you probably like, smile, weren't fine. Okay. Smile. Okay. Smiling. Um, a little chuckle and have as much fun and be as silly as possible. When I'm telling these things, like you've seen, you've seen how I talk about it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I've done, yeah, I did your show mm-hmm. and I'm very like, I don't know. I just try and I'm trying to develop this level of comfort on stage where I'm like, it's a barbecue. That's mm-hmm. all it is. They, everybody got food. Everybody got drink. I'm uncle Roe. We've been holding court at a barbecue. If I treat it like that, it's just conversation. Okay. It's not me being like joke. The, the jokes are in there. The, the, mm-hmm. I you I I work the jokes out. Now that what conversation can I have with these people? And if you just frame it that you don't have to say you're okay, but in your tone of voice and the way that you talk about people and you talk about the thing, they'll pick up on the sense. Like when I go, I don't like old people, even though the room was full of old people. I'm like, I fucking hate old people, and and I'm standing with a smile on my face, and they're like, oh. Why do you hate old people? And they don't take me that serious. They're not yeah. taking me serious. Like, 
But you know, you hate old people. Now they're just kind of like, we want to hear. We want to hear why you hate old people. And then I go, they're fucked up. They're setting the third. And I make the jokes in the audience. And I feel them go, ah, oh, yeah, my grandma's an asshole too. You know? <laughs> like, even though I'm talking about old foster parents, like, they yeah. can still go, yeah, I got an aunt that pinched me too much or, mm. or smacked me upside the head and shit like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, just trying to have as much fun on stage as possible, and that energy just—it's just—it's infectious. Yeah, I, I mean, you—you you mm-hmm. mentioned one time in an interview that you like to, if you get an idea, you want to talk it on stage first, see if the people mm-hmm. find it, like get a pulse on the audience, and then you will write it. Can mm-hmm. you do that with your foster care stuff, or do you have to be more deliberate? I have to. Okay. I okay. have to because my your my writing voice and my speaking voice are two different things. Like I'm trying to talk to the audience like I'm talking to you but mm-hmm. I don't write that way okay you know how do you write just like, I like write, bullets yeah more so I can still write a joke out completely but the the tone and everything is what gives it that 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 layer is what mm-hmm. makes that 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 shit funnier like I mm-hmm. can write down the bullet points but until I say them it's not really that funny yeah okay you know yeah, at least no, to I me, totally to me, until I say it, until I'm able to like see how people react, and then go, all right, well, what am I missing? What uh, like what what do I need to say, or what am I not saying, mm-hmm. or what am I saying that is that maybe is making them kind of do this? Yeah, and you can only figure that out once you say it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like talking to a chick. Yeah, right? you can <laughs> yeah. theorize the the shit you go and say to her. Uh-huh. But to, until you say it, and then you get her reaction, then you go, "All right, this is where the mm-hmm. the game begins. This is where having game comes in." Okay. The same thing with comedy. If I I like, I'll I'll go up there and I have the idea, and then I'm gonna go, "All right, I'm gonna say it," and then I figure it out because that's where the comedy comes from. The comedy yeah. comes from me maneuvering around these ums and haws and these mm, I don't know. Like people come to comedy clubs with their arms folded. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, all right, what do I need to yeah. do? Yeah. How, can I win them over? Like all that shit is going on in your head mm-hmm. as you're still trying to like put together these jokes and shit. But I I write, but I just don't write first. I make yeah. a note first. Mm-hmm. If you want to count that as writing, I'll write down a certain thing like um like if I'm talking about foster care and uh, right now and I'm like kind of talking about um, my mom and dad's relationship with them, it was my mom being drugs and my dad being a drug addict. But I just wrote that down. That's a, I just wrote down the bullet point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I just I, like a thought popped in my head and it was something stupid about um, this their relationship should have worked out. Like I just went, oh, my parents shouldn't have got divorced because drug addict and drug dealer seems mm-hmm. like it's a perfect match. Mm-hmm. And then I just wrote that and then I went on stage and I said it and then I just let the rest try to flow through me. You know what okay. I mean? So yeah. you so you don't have when you're when you just have like a nugget, right? The one that you just gave with your with your mm-hmm. mom and dad being a drug dealer and a drug addict, and you go up there and you say it, and let's mm-hmm. say it doesn't hit right away. Mm-hmm. Do you start freaking out and start trying to go back yeah. to old material, or how do you pulse that crowd? Like, how do you get over the roadblock of, like, okay, this thing I wrote down, the one thing I wanted to say, mm-hmm. no one got it, and now I want to yeah. keep going down this road. Yeah, I gotta look them up 
There's this, uh, I think my first time in Montreal when I did New Faces, I went to mm -hmm. a keynote. I went to a keynote um, thing. You've been to Montreal, right? Or you know about Montreal? I know of Montreal, yeah. No, Montreal. So uh, long, a week-long festival. But there they do, but I think like, if not the first night, I think it's the night where like New Faces and all that shit has happened. They yeah. do like a keynote thing. Mm -hmm. And they had, and they do awards and all that stuff, but they have like someone come out uh, and talk. And it was a comic. I think his name was Andy Kinder. Can I look yeah. him up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I no, it is Andy Kinder. He does like the state of comedy every year, correct? He's yeah, like the state of comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. the guy from um for the audience here. Uh, he's the the Bob's Burgers voice of the the mortician, and you probably rec really? recognize. Yeah, he's the mortician oh, on yeah. Bob's Burgers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for those who don't know, we're talking about Montreal's Just for Laugh Festival, which is the mm. annual uh, gathering of the most talented comics in uh, all of North America. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, Keep going with that. So I watched, I was in, I was watching him, and this is a room full of industry and audience members. So people mm. who love comedy for different reasons. Some mm. love it because it pays their bills. Some mm. love it because it, they just like, yo, I love these comics. And it, it's a mixed reaction. So you get uh, the industry doesn't laugh unless they unless their boss is there mm -hmm. or unless it's somebody that they want to hire. Then they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. like the motherfucker's the biggest person in the world. <laughs> and I was watching him navigate this crowd, mm -hmm. and I was watching him go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But whenever it went, but the fun times is when it went down when he would say something and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And instead of panicking, he would just address the fact that it didn't work, but didn't address it in this, oh, that joke bombs, blah, blah, blah. He would just kind of expand on what he was talking about a little bit more or, or make fun of himself in the situation. Mm -hmm. Like he just, he, he, he took those down moments to be like, this is where the comedy is. Like, this is how I prove that I'm funny. And <laughs> it was just like watching, it was like watching parkour. It was like watching somebody <laughs> jump from like a high, Fucking like uh, high surface, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, oh, he about to fucking break his leg or something. And then he <laughs> just fucking rolls and then jumps somewhere else. Yeah. And it was like 20 minutes of that. Yeah. And I was just, I forgot what other comic I was with, and I was like, that's what I I want to get like that with the fucking. It was like he couldn't bomb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's I, like I, you, I know the jokes mean. he intended to work weren't working the way he wanted them to. But just the way he was maneuvering and fucking just, just I don't know, just moving through the set was like, oh, that's 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 the skill. That's yeah. when skill comes in, and that's when skill and personality and all that shit comes together. And you just watch them win over this room. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I, I I like that I like that example. I like the analogy of parkour too, where it's like. Yeah. You don't know the next jump you're going to do. You just kind mm -hmm. of pray that it's going to yeah. work out. So yeah. I want to talk about how you connect with people because I'm trying to, I was, when I was looking at stuff that you had done, um, you had mentioned in past interviews that foster care really helped you understand people more, mm. um, which probably parlays well with stand-up comedy when you're like, I got to read a room, you know, I can't just go up there mm. and do, I, I would say, let me, my first question to you is. How how malleable is your act? How flexible is your act? Do you is it do you have an act and you write out your mm -hmm. fifty jokes and that's the fifty you're gonna tell in that order, or is it like mm -hmm. I will zig and zag as needed because I am that I'm that in tune. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a zig and zag, and it's not about 
um, being in tune. It's more of just not trying to be rigid. Because that was also a note that Keith gave me. Once I started, like, working and, and like, moving up, he was like, hey, take your time up there. Because, yeah. like, you know the jokes are going to work, so present them as such. Mm-hmm. Like start, don't rush to it. Don't be like a little kid. Like look, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, like they, you, you won their approval already. If you think so, if you, mm-hmm. the, if you go up there and they're like, hey, and you're, and you're, you're, you have poise. It's like you have their approval. But if you come to them searching for it, like, hey, can what about this joke? What about that? Do you like me now? <laughs> so once he gave me that information, like take your time. Enjoy yourself. All that stuff translate. Everything that's in your head kind of comes out in the way you talk, in the way you hold yourself. And audiences can read that. They can see that. So I try to be, I don't try to be that malleable where I'll just toss the whole set out the door. Mm-hmm. But I go up there with some sort of game plan. It's game plan. It's like 50-50. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, I was like your show. I had um, my book up there with me. I really wasn't looking at the pages. I just had it there as like a thing where I'm like, all right, if I need to look at it, I will. Mm-hmm. But it was like the, every time I went to look at the book, someone would say something or a thought would pop in my head. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, let me move this here. Like I, I switch jokes up on the spot anyway. Like sometimes I'll take a joke. I'll take a punchline of a joke and then I'll move that punchline to another joke because sometimes you're like, oh, that fits. Mm-hmm. that situation better for this audience yeah but i i try not to switch up who i am for the audience because that just fucks up bookability okay if i you know what i mean because yeah. if i'm switching up who i am mm-hmm. for every audience and work comes from word of mouth and comes from people going yo this, this guy's funny he talks about this and then i get there and they're like and i'm doing something different they're like this ain't the motherfucker they sent me like this isn't the same guy yeah. Why is he different here? What happened? So I always try to be the same person no matter where I go. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. I, I want to talk about the way you understand people and, and when you and what you meant by mm-hmm. that. Because when I was going and listening to stuff you had done, it seems that like, and just I think it's mostly because the environment you in, you didn't make close relationships in the foster care system. It sounds like you didn't keep in touch with any of the foster parents or mm-hmm. any of the I moved around parents. too much. Yeah, I'm just like, but even like, yeah. even like kids in summer camp click after three months, you know what I mean? And keep in touch, but it's like. Yeah, but that's because they still got like stability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they know they're going back yeah. to their summer camp. Yeah. They're going to go, they're going to leave their summer camp, go home until it's time to go back to the summer camp. There's people I've never seen again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's people who were like in my life and then they're in my life with no introduction. Mm-hmm. And then they're out of my life with no closure. Yeah. So you get used to that and you're just like, all right, well, I'm not hung up on those two things. I'm yeah. not really, I don't get hung up on how like relationships in, you know, yeah. and my wife kind of hates that because I'm still <laughs> friends with, I'm not friends with people I date, but like if I see somebody that I've dated, I'm like, hey, what's up? Are you talking to her? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't get, it's no bad blood. Like, I don't give a yeah. fuck. <laughs> I get done. It's, it's over. You know, hilarious in so, New York City. You're um, still running into your exes too. <laughs> I, 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 I. Well, I mean, like it, it wasn't lost on me. You did an interview, and you had mentioned like that you had a foster. I guess 
foster mother it sounded like she was a lot older so i don't know i don't know how they describe it if she's really old but mm-hmm. uh, woman named, uh, yeah a woman named miss pearl oh. who kind of yeah you can curse that there's no no, no role oh, in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a woman named miss pearl who really kind of saw you and kind of like hey i'm gonna try to step monroe up as best as i can it's what the it's what it sounded like from the interview but mm-hmm. then you mentioned like i don't know if she's alive so like obviously you did not keep in contact with miss pearl yeah, man. so is it just something where the foster care system has left such a bad taste in your mouth where anyone that came through i'm sure there was even some of the kids, mm. even when you were in that big kind of like, I forget, like the 180, 180 acre thing, people that you yeah. actually connected with, that you were just like, mm. no, that's just a part of my life that I'm just, you know, it's good for material, but that's all it's good for. And I don't want to have any reminders of it. Is that a true statement? No, I ain't a true statement. I like how you said, <laughs> is that a true statement? It's like, of course that's not a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that I'm not friends with anybody. Cause I still like I one of my mentors who I was cool with. Is this Stephanie? When I was yeah, yeah. You know too many people. What are you like? Um, what's Norwalk? Uh, comedy Norwalk. You know what I'm talking about. You know. I mean, guys? if you're if you're gonna sit here and give uh, me your time, I want to make sure I give my time and properly research. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie was one of your like I guess like yeah, handlers. Yeah, my homie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. she was just a. Uh, so I was at an after school program, and they call them coaches because they're not yeah. social workers, but mm-hmm. they're there. They kind of help you with life skills and stuff mm-hmm. and she was one of the people who i just like me and her just clicked so even when i aged out at 21 mm-hmm. we just kept in contact and hung out and she was mm-hmm. coming to comedy clubs and she just was had my back you know what yeah. i mean and and also some relationships just fizzle out because like my foster parents were like when i was in their house they were like 70 <laughs> so you get what i'm saying yeah. so yeah. Like after a while, I moved to New York. I'm gone for a year. They could be dead. They don't got cell phones. You know what I okay. mean? Like, so, like, someone like Miss Pearl never never made an active thing well, to reach out to. Well, we hung out you. until I moved to New York. Okay. Like I, every weekend, and not every weekend, but like maybe like two weekends out of a month, we, I would go over there and like we would have dinner and just talk mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But you can kind of tell she was getting old. Like, okay. You know. Like her, 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 she had a kid that passed away, and the oh, wow. dog that lived at the house when I was there that passed away. So you can kind of tell she was just like mm-hmm. you know on her way out. Yeah, so I get it. I didn't really, yeah, you know, I didn't hear nothing about no funeral or nothing. But uh, yeah, like that, we may I maintain that relationship at uh, uh, least until like my first, I think my first year in New York, and mm-hmm. then. After that, I really didn't come to Philly that often because I was like, one of my friends were like, yo, if you moved to New York to pursue comedy, why the fuck are you always here? And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> that was the time I was in New York, like, yeah. at least 50% of the time. I mean, in Philly, yeah. 50% of the time, doing that, doing that, let me go say hi to the people. Yeah. That, say, that means so much. And like, most of them, the good ones were like, hey, man, get the fuck out of here. Go go do yeah. you. Go focus on you. Like, you know where I'll be. Yeah. And then you got some people who's like, don't forget about me. But the, <laughs> the, the ones who want you to be great are like, look, like, we'll figure this out. We'll figure out something. But go do this thing. Go do that. And Miss Pearl was like one of those people. Okay. Where once she, once I told her I was doing comedy, she was like, I think I could see that. Mm-hmm. She's like, how is it? And I was telling her about it and stuff like that, like telling her things. And she was like, well, you know, well, it sounds like you need to spend most of your time up there and do what you got to do to figure yeah. it out. And I was like, huh? 
Yeah. I mean, it's it, it also isn't lost on me kind of going back through. I'm looking. I'm sorry. If I'm looking over here, I'm looking mm. at my notes. No, um, I, um, and it it I'm I I see that it seems that you have connected very well with women throughout your life versus men, mm. because I see things like even Is your that mother, a true statement. I don't know. Is that a true statement? <laughs> I don't um, so. Most of my friends are male. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying like, I, when I hear you talk about people in interviews, it's your sister or it's Stephanie or it's your wife, or even like, even your mother, you say, and you, you mm. get in contact with. So like, yeah. I'm trying, like, is it just because of the foster care system and the, I, I don't know, like what, what is it where you didn't have like you never? I think someone even asked you. I forget what interview it was, and I apologize mm-hmm. to the person who did it. Um, mentioned like, did you not get friends that you keep in touch with out of foster care? And you're like, no. I mean, like there were friends yeah. like in the periphery, like maybe friends of these mm-hmm. people that you live with that you became friends with. But it was like mm-hmm. not not at all. But w- can you kind of explain to me? Well, like, the, yeah, like, like I got why my, that's not like I got that. my homies. I got my homies who I met when I was in foster care, but they weren't foster kids. Like, yeah. I don't have any friends that I lived, like, any friends that were like, oh, this was my foster brother. Yeah. Or we were in the same group home. Like, I don't have any of those. Cause, can, can I ask, like, like why? Because a lot of people, when I when people go, yo, if you're in foster care, it's either death, you're either dead, jail, or homeless. That's true. Oh, wow. Like, a lot of people who go through the system in Philly, mm-hmm. they just get, if they don't, if they don't protect themselves, meaning if they're not setting up some sort of life after foster care, like mm-hmm. once the, the system is done with you at 21. At mm-hmm. 21, it's, hey, appreciate it, um, but you can't stay at these homes no more. Unless a, a, one of the foster moms is cool with that. Mm-hmm. So, like a lot of those guys, like I don't want to, I'm not speaking, I'm not talking about anybody in specific, uh, mm-hmm. in particular, but a lot of people are like in situations where I'm like, you you can't see them. They're mm-hmm. in jail. They probably passed away. They're probably homeless or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. And uh, but my friends that I met in that I met while I was in foster care, we we still best friends to this day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One yeah. of my boys moved in New York first, and that's why I moved because he okay. moved because he's in advertising. Mm-hmm. And he moved up here, and I would visit him, and I'm like, this is. This is where the fuck I need to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but also there's a lot of there's a lot more women in foster care, meaning like that help out. There's not a lot of foster dads. There's yeah. not a lot of uh, even even social workers. The majority of social workers are women. Okay, it's just you know what I mean. Like yeah. I don't know why, but it's just a female dominated space. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you're gonna meet. Yeah, you're gonna meet a lot more. I. Yeah, you just. All my foster parents, there were women. I had two foster homes that I had that had men mm-hmm. in the house. All my so most of my social workers were women. I had one male social worker, um, but mentors and all that stuff, and the people who like worked with me on the day to day were women. Yeah, that, it, mm-hmm. it 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 wasn't lost on me. In one interview, you mentioned that um that you were you you be like you knows that you were funny and got attention for being funny because of foster care like you wanted the people to like mm-hmm. you you know you're like you mm-hmm. wanted the people that were seeing you to like you yeah. do, do you think inherently now that you have built this skill set even unconsciously that now mm-hmm. you can go into a room with people that you're only going to know for them for an hour and make them really like you because you have those yeah. skills built in from foster care versus someone like but myself that's the thing, yeah them. okay mm-hmm. yeah but that's the so that's but that's the 
that was the thing that foster care has given me. Mm-hmm. It's where a lot of people build, I, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I feel like a lot of people are uncomfortable meeting someone the first time. And then like, it takes a lot of things just to have a conversation for them. Mm-hmm. Like they got to know them through somebody. Like I know people who only date people like, they're like, oh, this is a friend. This is, mm-hmm. I dated this person because this is their friend. Like I, I'm not that person. My whole life has been a room full of strangers. We introduce ourselves. We do a share circle and talk about what we've been through. So mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with that. You know, do, like, do you like that young... though, or do you feel like you've missed out on some of the things? Like, do you like having these kind of transactional relationships? You know, besides your wife, like transactional well, relationships, have, or do you feel like I don't have transactional relationships now because, like, most of the people that I hang out with, like, I've been in New York for some years. Now, okay, so we we kind of all know each other. It's just like the newer comics who I don't know that well. Yeah, like there's some who I know, and there's some who I'm like I don't know. But the comics that I do know now, it's just like if I'm in a room, I'm usually around comics that I did open mics and stuff with. And then when it's the industry shit, if you're in a party, mm-hmm. I mean, not nine times out of 10, but at least six times out of 10, you're there because an invite. So you're going to know somebody. Yeah. They're not going to introduce you to somebody. So mm-hmm. it's a lot more easier than it was in foster care. Cause foster care was just about sharing. It was just, <laughs> just trauma porn. Every, every set. I remember it used to be like um, every Saturday we used to have these, these little um, groups where you had to wake up at eight in the morning and then you go down center city and then all the foster parents would get together. And then we would just sit in the room and then everybody would talk about their week and the the, the difficulties they dealt with in the week and some tips and stuff to help everybody get over. So you just go through all that growing up. You think that's how people talk and then they don't. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't share shit. So when you listen to people and then you remember like a nugget and you share something about yourself, then they're like, oh shit, this person is cool. Yeah. Cool as hell. <laughs> and it's not even a it's, I don't even know if it's like a thing I do to it's just a it's just how I operate. It's just like if I'm in a room and I don't know anybody, I need to leave that room at least knowing a couple people. Yeah. I like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're a real social person. I doubt many people. But what you mean, yeah. what we in comedy for? We ain't gonna be I social. I get it. No, no, I get it. I was just, yeah. I'm, I, I, yeah. But you, I mean, you, I mean, I'm sure you get by say like comics that have issues with social connections or whatever. I'm sure you can probably think of well, a lot of the jobs <laughs> come from, yeah. But the jobs come from being social. The jobs come from your skill set and then your ability to just how likely you be, how likable you are, mm-hmm. just because. Most of the time, you're on set. Like, let's say you're on, like, let's just use a movie. You're mm-hmm. on set for 18 hours a day. I'm pretty sure people are thinking, can I tolerate this person for 18 hours? Yeah. Like, is their skill, is their skill, does their skill outweigh how awkward or how much shit I got to put into m- making them feel comfortable so we can get the thing we need out of them? Yeah. And I think that goes into it. I think people, um, build relationships like that they go oh and like that's how um comic get road work right is that like, how you brought geo well, you and geo we're talking about geo perez who yeah. was fantastic this past weekend is yeah, that how I you, guys, geo, you guys you yeah. guys are friends outside of comedy so, okay 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I met Gio. I met Gio through a, another comic, one of my um, best friends in comedy. And he kept bringing him around. And he's like, he cool, man. He cool, mm-hmm. man. And then I just talked to him and I was just asking him about his life and stuff. And he shared and he told me about himself. So the next time that I was chilling, he was the same exact person. Like, he came in the yeah. green room at the stand and he was just chilling. And the conversations were cool, and he's not one of those people that has to fucking be the center of attention. Like he knows how the like mm-hmm. the hang works, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like add to the hang and all that shit. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you want to you want to come roll? Yeah, you know? yeah. Because that's really what it is. It's like, yo, can I be around this person? <laughs> I like it. You yeah. Know? No, you're you're dead on. You're you're dead to rights on that, dude, for sure. Yeah, but that's to, why I'm especially when you're yeah, taking a three-hour trek out the Hershey. but i mean you do social dude you you have i feel like it wasn't luck that made you a success story from foster care where you're saying like Mm -hmm. i don't know what the odds are it sounds like eight out of eight out of every ten boys doesn't find success in the foster care system where you're probably one Mm -hmm. of those one of those few you end end up Mm -hmm. going to community college and at at 21 you you decided to just jump into stand-up full-time you have like Mm -hmm. this very it's 22. Pretty, 22. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you said like, hey, 21, I aged out. And that's why I started comedy. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. No. So I started at 20. I started at 22, but I didn't go full time until I moved in New York. Oh, I, I went see. full time because. So you mean um, you did not work any other jobs in New York besides since yeah, you've been in New York, just yeah. full time stand up? I wow. would do, I would do, you would do like, I would do like, um, trying to think. Joyel, there's a comic Joyel. Uh, we used to pass out flyers for Metro PCS, but not really. We used to just sit in her car and watch The Wire. And that was for that was for a couple of months when I first moved here. Another one, I got fired from dog walking. It was like the universe didn't want me to have a regular job. Like it was just like figure that shit out. Yeah. So I was just asked to open up for comics. Uh, I had the college shit happening, so all that helped me figure out how to really make this a living and also i looked at it like if i can take a job at mcdonald's like at the end of like if you work at mcdonald's what are you making like fucking 50 not 50 but like 15 an hour yeah so at the end of the year you're making forty three thousand dollars and shit like that Mm -hmm. i was like i can figure that out i'm like i can probably supplement a mcdonald's income i can struggle Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah, so I'm like, if I'm willing to fucking bust my ass to work and flip burgers and barely make ends meet, then I can do the same with this thing. Yeah, I can I can run around for like two hundred bucks and like figure out how to get that hair because that's how much a check is going to be at McDonald's. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I made that decision when I moved here because um, I know a lot of comics who moved to New York from Philly and they couldn't really find the job, so they moved back, and I'm yeah. like, well. This is the job. Yeah. This is the job. Yeah. You know? So was it, were you in dire straits when you first moved to New York then? I mean, Hell I you, yeah. you, Okay. Like what, what, what was your yeah. situation? What was the situation like when you first moved to well, New York? It's dire for you. <laughs> for I was already live. I was already used to living under the condition. Please explain. So I was, when I first moved to New York, I was living on my homie's couch. Not even a couch. It was a fucking um recliner chair and i was paying them rent 
And you're six and you five, what, like two thirty, right? No, sitting on the sitting like this, sleeping like, <laughs> sleeping like I'm on a flight, yo. Um, yeah. I was living out of eighteen gallon bins. Like I had like three eighteen gallon bins with my clothes and shit and all my belongings and stuff. And um, life before that was kind of similar. Like I didn't always have my own room. Every foster home I went to. Sometimes they wouldn't have space, so you had to sleep on the cot or you slept on the couch or whatever. Like, there, like a, a lot of shit gets through the system. As much mm-hmm. as they, like, try to be intrusive in the system where they're like, oh, we're going to make sure you got enough food in your fridge and stuff. There are people who didn't have shit where I'm like, how the fuck did I end up in this place? <laughs> so I was already comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like, I spent, mo- like, even when I was younger and I was living with my mom, we would sleep on the floor. We would sleep at cousins' houses. Sleep in the tub. You just sleep where you can. So being an adult and then chasing this, I was like, well, now I'm doing this for a purpose. I can be uncomfortable because it's 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 the journey to something bigger. It's the journey to a, a better life. It's the, it's the, it's the part of the, the dream. Yeah. So if that wasn't dire for me, but that's why I'm like, yeah, I slept on couches. I fucking lived in a hostel. For a little bit where they like i had like people stealing my socks and shit my socks and drawers and all that yeah man okay was it that was it what what experience what i mean like i you know i hate to belabor the foster care point but i was like I've, i always want to find out like i had chanel ali on here on this podcast before and she oh, yeah, I, fuck with chanel. I just yeah. with her yesterday oh yeah she's fantastic she but she she will she will dabble about foster care but she won't hang in there like you do when she talks about mm-hmm. it even socially like when i was talking yeah. to her and you described going to this group home and when you're describing things like they wake you up and communal showers i'm like this just seems like a more relaxed prison setting i don't know if Monroe's mm-hmm, even making those connections mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um what <laughs> what what i mean kind of you talk about like did you without so your so you went to foster care would mm-hmm. you have rather been with your mother during those times, or would you have like, hey, the foster, uh, the foster care is, uh, you know, it's it's better than where I where I was. Um, as a, there was an age up until a certain age, I would mm-hmm. say yes. When I was when I I would say I went in the foster care system at seven, mm-hmm. and then I had the opportunity to live with my mom again at sixteen. But from seven to at least fifteen, from seven to at least like, yeah, fourteen, fifteen, it's like, yeah, you want to be with your mom and mm-hmm. all that stuff. You don't really understand the situation. Like I understood the situation, I understood that she, you know, she had her problems and stuff. But you're just mm-hmm. like, you're in your mind as a little kid. You're like, but it'll be fine. Everything will work itself out. And at sixteen, I was like, that's not how life works. Mm-hmm. You're like. It, like people sometimes people are who they are and you just gotta love them for who they are and you just accept certain situations but at 16 that's when i was like oh i can't me and i can't live with my mom and that mm-hmm. and the option was there the mm-hmm. option was available because uh i was supposed to age out of the system at 18 mm-hmm. and then they started the reunification process where I was like, now and I'm able to like go visit my mom at her crib and stuff like that. But it was just the dynamic was off. And then just I was listening to the things she was saying. And I was like, but she was talking about rules and regulations and all this stuff. And and I'm like, that that can't work because I don't know you that way. 
Like, I don't know you as a paternal person. I don't know you as, like, that type of mom. So for me to just fall in line with this world that I'm like, I don't know you as that person. Like, mm-hmm. I know you as this one thing, and now I have to act like that person doesn't exist. And I, and I didn't really see myself in that really surviving in that situation and us having a good relationship. We still got a good relationship now. Yeah. I'm her only boy. She, okay. she loves me. She, You know what I mean? But I'm glad I made that decision. I stayed in foster care until 21 because of that. Yeah. So when they asked me, they was like, hey, do you, do you want to go live back with your mom? Or there's another program, there's another option where you can interview for supervised independent living. And if you, you get in, they'll give you your own apartment. And you just got to go through these classes. But the, the, the chances are slim. And I was like, well, if this, if this idea of the living with my mom was the thing that I wanted, but now it's presented to me and I can tell that it's not going to work, that I might as well take my chance with this fucking thing over here. Even if they say that I may not have, I may not get it. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, at least I'll shoot my shot. I shot my shot. I interviewed and got it. And that was one of the places where they don't really have uh, a lot of men. They don't really have a lot of boys. It's more for like pregnant, not pregnant, but women and children who are like, yeah. And they get in in there in college and stuff like that. So they're trying to help them and they don't really help men. Yeah. Be like, oh, we're going to help you get on your feet and get you an apartment until you get your shit together. It was very little, it was very few dudes there, but I got in. Uh, I would say I utilized the, the shit as best as I could, but I, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. No, I mean, what's your relationship with your mother today? Is it maternal uh, yeah. or is it friends? Is it peers, yeah. mentory, mentor? We're friends. Okay. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like one of those things where you're like, my mom doesn't know about this life. There's not much she can tell me about mm-hmm. life. Like she, her, everything she can, anything she can teach me, it's it's from her. It's from her past. It's all yeah. actions. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like her actions and her and my life is more of a. It's more of the thing of like. Is this? I'm trying to frame. I'm trying to word it right. So mm-hmm. the fact that she fucked up. And like she went through the shit that she went through, that's enough for me mm-hmm. to be like, I know what not to do mm-hmm. because I seen I was I am the outcome. Mm-hmm. I am the outcome of like not following your dreams, getting addicted to drugs, not really um having a plan. Like I I'm here because of that shit. So she don't really have to mentor me and give me information because my life is that. Okay. Does that make sense? No, that so makes we sense. We have a friendship. Yeah, we yeah. have a friend. We have a friendship, but we don't have like a like that that mom at that like. However, you are yeah. with your mom, where yeah. you go and you give your mom a kiss and you lay your head <laughs> on your lap. We don't have that. Do you, so, not, how often yeah, do you see your mom a year? That. Then can I ask you? Before the pandemic, I would see her at least a couple times. A, okay, uh, a year. But okay. now the pandemic happened. Well, the pandemic is over, so I'm trying yeah. to go there it. a little bit more and stuff but yeah okay. me and my mom cool as shit it's just not like a like that that mama son yeah. relationship where you go, i'm gonna go stay with my mom <sighs> we're just gonna go to it's not that yeah. and i'm fine with that though ha- has she seen you do stand up either live or on television she has yeah 
Yeah, and she and and support surprisingly the person who had the most trouble was my dad because he he didn't like that I was making jokes about my mom and our life and all that stuff. But my mom's a trooper. My mom yeah. is the funniest. My mom and my sister. I have mm-hmm. two sisters. But my mom and my my older sister, she's not older than me, but she's like the oldest one. Mm-hmm. Some motherfuckers are hilarious. <laughs> like they do, but they're hilarious in the way where they, either they're unaware mm-hmm. that the shit they saying is like fucking funny and wrong, or they know and they just really know how to play aloof. They just mm-hmm. know how to really like sit back and play the idiot in the room. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's that. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I I'm surprised to hear your dad had an issue with your act. And I don't know how much you want to share. I mean, I think you're very open about your dad being abusive mm-hmm. towards your mom. Um, yeah. uh, but is it is it because he's embarrassed of his own actions? Does he just feel like, hey, I'm not in your life, Monroe, so can you just keep me out of your act? Like, why is he reaching out to you about jokes about him? And what's his I don't like? know. Okay. I didn't even entertain it. Okay. I didn't even entertain it because the person that I don't want to, yeah, it don't matter. He His opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even entertain it. Like he told me that. And then I kind of just was like, okay. And then I didn't even go to argue. Like I can do what I want. I was <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. not going to put the energy into even entertaining it and making you think your opinion matters i'm gonna just keep it moving okay but his opinion doesn't matter because like at least i had a constant relationship with my mom like i seen her every Mm -hmm. i would see her like once a month you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. like she would come to the group home or i would or we would have supervised visits and stuff like that so she was more constant in my life where he was like, uh, one of my, this is my friend's joke, this isn't my joke, but he has a joke about his dad and how his dad was like a a, a character on a sitcom where they just pop mm-hmm. in and go, hey, everybody, like, you know, like a recurrent, <laughs> like, a, like a special guest star. Yeah. They, they come in just to get the ratings up. Yeah. And that's how my dad was. Like, okay. my dad only came through, like, one, if he said he was coming through, he wouldn't. He mm-hmm. was just kind of like, pop up and then inconvenience your entire day and what you mm. got planned. Okay. You know? Yeah. And and I've only seen him like a I've only I if my dad walked past me today, I wouldn't I would accidentally walk past him. I know oh. we look alike. Yeah. But I don't like I don't know what he really looks like. You know what I mean? I get it. The, well, that's that's why his opinion don't matter. Yeah. Um it was like it was like right before the pandemic. Okay. Like maybe as it was said, not Saul. Okay. When I saw my dad, when did Jermaine? Let me look. I can actually tell you right now. Go ahead. You're fine. Maybe while you're you're looking that up, if I can ask you, um, your ability when I hear you tell when I hear you tell a joke, you have this very innate, and I don't know how much of it is planned or on purpose that that joke is as tight as it can be. I mean, that joke is set up, punchline, tag, 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 analogy that's hilarious, misdirection, Mm. ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. I think we kind of established earlier, you find something, you you observe something, you may make Mm -hmm. a note in your phone, you give it on stage, audience kind of gives you at least a little bit for you to be like, all right, this is worth writing down, you do a couple bullet points. Mm. 
after yeah. the fact where I'm seeing the joke, um, when I saw a joke like I did this weekend, are you doing a deliberate process of like, all right, here's my joke and I'm going to start cutting out the fat or do you do that all on stage? I just want to know like your joke. Set I do that. Tight. So thank you. I appreciate that, man. So uh-huh. last time I seen my dad, 2015 um, okay. for Jermaine Fowler's, um, for Jermaine Fowler's uh, taping. Cause I tell okay. that story about, reconnecting with my dad Mm -hmm. and seeing him uh so that was the last time i saw him physically Mm -hmm. 2019 i think the pandemic started in 2019 like the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 yeah that's the last correspondent i say of like talking and then i kind of was like i don't give a fuck about this sorry i know i asked you i know i asked you a question about the joke writing i'm gonna put a pin on that for right now oh i was going back to that if your father were to pass away would you regret anything left unsaid or do you feel like you will reach out eventually to him and just kind of like air out anything that hasn't been unsaid damn you're trying to get deep (sighs) um i don't think there's i is it does it make sense to say i have no i have no anger Mm -hmm. i I feel nothing towards mm-hmm. them. So it's no love, love or like, ah, oh, you could have did this or you should have did that. Like, I don't feel any of that. I just kind of like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? So it's like, okay if, no you, if that's the last time yeah, you talk like to him in 2019. Yeah. Okay. Like, I okay. don't want it to sound fucked up, but if no, it's just, died, yeah. I would be sad because it's a human life, but I wouldn't be yeah. sad because I felt like I missed out on yeah. the opportunity of having a dad. I'm 30, like I'm 37 now. He had plenty yeah. of opportunities to figure it out. No, I he could totally have been like, yo, that. let's go see a game or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, so uh, like I I know that some like I've had people go, well, why don't you reach out to him? Like, because I didn't give birth to them. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's why. Like I didn't I didn't produce them. Like I, yeah. it's not my yeah. it's not my responsibility to build that relationship. It's my yeah. responsibility to make sure that the 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 effects of that relationship doesn't fuck up the relationship. Like if I have a kid and I have a son, mm-hmm. like is the, my job is to make sure that that shit that I went through with my parents doesn't fall on my kids, mm-hmm. but it's not my responsibility to build a relationship with them. I'm 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, so I'm sorry. The and question... I know that probably sound fucked up. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, no, I mean, I think <laughs> Chanel said the same thing because her dad, yeah. not abusive, but just out of the picture mm-hmm. and trying to get yeah. back in and just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Kind of very similar to your experience. Yeah. Um, um, but um, I, so the, the question I had asked you was, it sounds like from what your process is, it's very informal, meaning that writing jokes is not part of your daily mm-hmm. routine. We established at the very top of this conversation. Mm-hmm. It seems I'm trying like, though. No, no, that's all right. I mean, you obviously have something yeah. that works very well. I mean, it's, I mean mm-hmm. I'm not one to critique anything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're obviously what you're doing is working. Um, mm-hmm. But how when you go up there and I'm hearing you talk and if a lot of it's not written down, a lot of it's just high level bullet points. How do you know when to cut out the fat? Is it just reps on stage? Is that the secret sauce it's, to Monroe Martin? The reps and listening. I record. I record pretty much all my sets. Okay. The, uh, audio. Mm-hmm. And now that fucking everybody's doing clips and shit. Now and I'm like, all right, now I gotta run around with a fucking camera and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But audio, yeah, I record on my watch, and mm-hmm. then I just listen in my downtime. So I get. Mm-hmm. I think that actually counts as right. Yeah, I would count. I that. would count that. A, yeah, deliberate. I would count that as writing. Yeah, yeah. So I listen to it, and then I'll go. All right, well, 
this part is where the law happened in it, and I and it sounds like they're confused or they just didn't like that part. So let me remove that. I'll just do editing that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. And you can just do that without writing it down. Just mean like, all right, so you're sitting on a Tuesday. You're like, yeah, that, that three yeah, minutes did not work out. And then Friday where, happens. You're like, don't do that. Don't do that three minutes. That's the problem with writing for me. I can't read none of this shit. This shit is not legible. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty, okay. That's not at all what I thought your writing was going to be. I thought it was going to be like six words on a page. It's like actually no, written. No, I, yo, but this is, but I can't write none of it. I can't read this. Mm. I would, these are, these are, jokes and ideas and thoughts and but it's like in sentence form it looks like a book almost but it ain't i go so here it is this is like i go i have silly fears i'm afraid of i have like a i I have silly fears i'm afraid of losing my mind and not know it meaning like i'm afraid that i will be like crazy but i'm just in my world and people just let me be crazy because i have Mm -hmm. fucking uncle that was like that where they he would walk around with like uh a robe on, like just walk the streets with like a, a bath robe on and slippers, and then people just let them do that, and they would speak to him like a regular dude. But then, as a kid, they're like, "He fucking crazy." I'm talking, "Don't you go too close to him? He crazy." But I'm like, "But does he know that? Y'all just treating him normal." Yeah. So all of that, like what I just said to you, <laughs> all I wrote was, I didn't even write the uncle stuff down. I just wrote like, "Oh, I just don't want to not know that I'm losing my fucking mind." So but a- I'll write down. So oh, what I did, and this, yeah. so all this comes from I said it on stage, and then after I say it, I write it down. But the problem is I can't read none of that handwriting. <laughs> so then, are so you then writing it down right after you say it? So you're at the stand, you have a joke, yeah. bang, it hits. Are you going right to that green room, just writing it down, or do you wait to go home and listen to it three days later? I just, I just listen to it. Yeah, because then you shit falls, you run out of things. So then that's why I'm like. I just, I, you got the book and you write just to have it, but I think all my good shit or all the things that I like do is in mm-hmm. audio. It's yeah. like little clips and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I, cause typing, I have too many damn notes, like half written notes, where it's like I have a thought. I had a thought, then I write the bullet point down, then I mm-hmm. do it on stage. And when I go to look for it again, I'm like, where the fuck is the thing? So <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'll, so I'll, I'll plug. Yeah, I'll, I wish I'll, I could. Yeah, go ahead. I, no, no, I was gonna say, I, I don't, I'm gonna be respectful of your time. I want to tidy up here soon. I do have just a few more questions for you, but I do want to plug your Instagram, which is <laughs> at Monroe Martin with triple I for the third. Um, and that is also on Twitter. You can see Monroe Martin's clips there and TikTok, and you can go to his website. It has all that information there as well. Um, mm. but tell me about TikTok, dude. And I want to. Oh, I don't know shit about TikTok. I'm. Well, I think well, I'm shadow do it. Well, uh, well, I was saying, like, or, or Instagram, whatever, Facebook Reels, Instagram, uh, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say about it, because mm-hmm. part of the allure of what Monroe Martin brings to the table more so than any comic I can think of is the ability for us to not know who the hell you are until you get on that stage, and then us to mm-hmm. really know you when you get off that stage. How mm-hmm. do you? How is? In, I mean, is Instagram just a means to an end, or does that kill your soul every time you post? A I clip? don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to really use it and work it but i guess my job is to figure it out because it's a tool it's a tool mm-hmm. that gets people to the shows is that proven you know? do people say i saw you on tiktok dude i'm coming to your show okay i was in houston it's not a tiktok tiktok if someone say they saw me on tiktok they lying because i got okay. shadow banned i got shadow banned at like sixteen thousand followers okay. like i went for yeah i went from like having like a lot of views to my shit only having like 
a thousand views <laughs> per fucking video. So um when I was in Houston, I was doing I do I was doing the riot comedy club and there were people there because they saw me and then there were just there was like um like a couple that walked by and I was like, wait, are you you're Monroe, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking like, of course I'm Monroe, my face is right there. But they were like, oh, you're you're performing tonight? And I'm like, yeah, like, aren't you here for the show? And it's like, no, we're just, they, because there's a bar, like, um, our, yeah. like around, not around the corner, but literally, like, over. Because <laughs> it's connected to a bar. And I'm like, oh, so y'all not going to, y'all came for the show? And it's like, no, we just know your stuff because we've seen you on Instagram. We've seen your stuff pop on Instagram. We watch your stuff on YouTube. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, that actually worked. <laughs> but the things that I know that they saw on YouTube are long form. Okay. Like the story that Comedy Central posted was mm -hmm. long form. Mm -hmm. I think I am that type of comic where maybe you have to see me long form. I think in order to get a sense of who I am and the type of stuff that I talk about, mm -hmm. you got to see at least three minutes. Yeah. To see the the build up and then the punchline, 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 punchline. But to really go, oh shit, this is the type of comedy. And one minute, I don't think I think I can get a joke off of one minute, but to get to know me, you gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna be some time. Yeah. So I just gotta figure that part out. I think YouTube would be the best for me mm -hmm. because you can post short videos to lead them to longer videos. Awesome. Um, now, a lot of your jokes are about so these questions. I've been writing questions over here mm -hmm. during your thing, not to interrupt you. Good. Now, these are going to be all over the place now. Um, uh, do you, your, a lot of your jokes are about your experience, things that you've observed, things that you've seen in real life, or your even the uncle joke, or like things that you've experienced. Mm -hmm. Do you look at the current environment and see what are the hot topics and try to write jokes mm -hmm. for them, like like Rover's Wade being appealed, or yeah. school shootings, or mm -hmm. the Ukraine war? Are those things yeah. that you try to write jokes for just to kind of Stay in that yeah, mode. if I have okay. an opinion, if I have an opinion on it, okay. Um, if I if I have a, if I have like an actual uh, a point of view and opinion on it, yes, but I'm not going to talk about it just to talk about it. Cause okay, I, I some people don't give a fuck. I mean, like some audience members, they come and they know what's going on in the world mm -hmm. and they want to escape it and they want to hear something outside of that mm -hmm. shit. So that's I think that's where I shine most. Like, I can talk about that stuff, and I think that's a skill that you, that not you, but comics should have, especially if they want to get writing jobs and stuff. you got to mm -hmm. learn how to talk about topical things and make yeah. it funny in your voice. Yeah. You know? Cool. My next off-the-wall question is, would, off you the wall. would you ever consider uh, getting your own foster kid, like adopting a foster kid? Knowing that yeah, but I like want to be... One? Yeah, no, nah, I would do that, but I want to be. I wouldn't I'd do the foster. I would just adopt them because yeah, the that's what I meant. Thing. Adopt the foster. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I want to. I gotta. I gotta get my finances up. I don't want to forget because I don't want that kid to have a, a like a shitty life. Like I'm gonna take mm -hmm. you from uh, uh, your your shitty life and then bring you into this struggle. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that I'm like like set up where this kid can get like good schooling and you know what i mean yeah no i get it yeah that's you want, that's you want to set up I'll for success yeah mm -hmm. i and would I... get an old i think i would get an older foster kid anyway not too old but i would probably get like not maybe a 50 year like old a, foster kid yeah like a seven six <laughs> year old or something like that yeah yeah okay um 
I love I love that you're part of the comedy seller. That's just amazing. Can you give me your comedy seller origin story? But I'm How'd more you... of a, I'm more of a stand person. I'm at okay. the stand the most. All right, I well, got in the comedy cellar from hanging. I was in the comedy. I got in the comedy cellar. That was like one of the first comedy clubs I hung out at because of Keith. Because can you can you just what? hang out at the comedy cellar? I feel like they would just ruggle the riffraff Owen Micers out of the room. Not everybody. I'm not a no. You can't. Okay. Yeah. So I would say I was very blessed. Me okay. and my group of friends mm-hmm. were very blessed. I don't know what it was. It, it could have been right timing or something, but. We we got a privilege that a lot of people didn't. Like they called the surround sound. Because we would go in there, we would be loud. Like yeah. none of us worked there. What I tell you, <laughs> we were hanging out there, none of us worked who, there. Who that are was, these people you're talking it about? Me, it was me, Derek Game, me, Derek Gaines, Reggie Conquest, Dave Temple, Chloe Hillier, Amina Imani. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. I think it was Nico too. But yeah, okay. Nico, Minion Hart. There's a bunch of people. And Anthony Moore, just, another Philly guy, went to New York. Anthony came up later. Though. Oh, okay, okay. Anthony, Anthony is like Anthony love came Anthony. up. Yeah. No, I love Anthony too. Anthony came up a lot later after we kind of already okay. got got in, in there. Anthony. Okay, but yeah. Reggie Conquest. That's the only one I recognize is Reggie mm-hmm. Conquest. Reggie, Reggie came up. Yeah. Reggie came up in the in the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Me, I think me and Derek were already in New York for May. Well, Derek moved to New York before me. Okay. I was already. I was probably in New York for like two years when Reggie started coming up. So he just fit. He just came at the right time. But mm-hmm. we used to be at the cellar. We splitting. It's like seven people splitting an order of twelve wings. Everybody get wings, <laughs> and we would just be loud and, and and making fun of each other. We would make. We would like um, have snapping sessions with like Godfrey and all of those people. Yeah, Bill Burr. We never, we never got to snap on Bill Burr because the the way it was set up, it was funny. We was open micers and Keith was like, "Yeah, I got my Philly crew," and we were all fans. So yeah. he was like, "Get them Philly crew." We were just like, "It's it's so nice to meet you. It's an honor." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "What the fuck? I thought they used heavy hitters." And we're like, "It's an honor to meet you." How did that get you? How did they get you past at the cellar though? They went just so, like. So when you so. Just hanging out. I was just hanging. I was just hanging out. Mm-hmm. I was a part of the uh, environment. I wasn't an asshole. Okay. You know, you you talk to other comics like Bobby Kelly and all of them, and then I guess they see you enough. So then, when you start to when they they see me at other clubs and see me perform and and stuff like that, and I think mm-hmm. they kind of like, oh, all right, it's kind of funny. Okay. Right. And then I remember, this is how this happened. So the actual passing took like two, three years, maybe four years. Sorry, I got shit up here. What are you looking at uh, right now? You keep looking up that way. What is because that? I got a, so I got my Fallon thing. I got like a frame of like the, the okay. Fallon cue card, but the, it says the date on it and it says 2015. And and I look at the 2015 because it helps me remember where I okay. was and the things I, I had to do before that. Mm-hmm. So- I got, if I did Fallon in 2015, I got passed at the seller in 2014. Okay. And that was, yeah, I was just sitting at the back table and SD was like, what's your avails? And I'm like, what? She was like, send me your wishes, send me your avails. And I was like, okay. And there's no audition or nothing. 
Really? But it was it wow. was just because, That's impressive. It was because of hanging out and a lot of comic and the 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 bigger comic, especially Keith. Keith, I would say Keith was the Keith was the main guy pushing for me. Okay. Keith Robinson yeah. was like, This is this is the Philly crew. These are the dudes, these mm-hmm. are the people you need to like start working. Mm-hmm. And we all didn't get in at the same time, but it was kind of like it was me, then it was Derek, then it was Chloe. Mm-hmm. But it was like me, 2000. Yeah, it'd be like me, 2014. Then you, 2015. Then you can you show like 2016. I'm sorry. Can you show your webcam? Can I see what you're looking at? I just want to see this thing. Yeah, that's so, everybody. That's sick, dude. To, yeah, I love that. Fallon thing. This was at the last comic standing. Can you see that? Yeah, you I see, see that. Last What's comic that? standing. What do you mean? This that's from is, last uh, comic standing. How'd that come from last comic so, standing? So I was when I did last comic standing. There was somebody who was an artist. I, I hope he's still alive too. He's yeah. sick with that shit. This yeah. is pen. This is pencil. He that looked great. That, that was mean, fucking amazing. Yeah. He he was like, "Yo, man, I'm a fan of yours. I would love to uh, send you a portrait that I drew of you." And I'm like, "Sure." And he yeah. sent me, and I had to get that shit framed. This is the first yeah. portrait anybody ever uh, made. I love of it, dude. Off of what I do. Yeah. And then this other thing, this right here was like my first write up. Right up. In, uh, That's in awesome. Time out in New York. So I had to get that frame. Sorry. I love it, dude. No, you're fine. You're so fine, I had dude. To get that frame. And then that right there, this is my wife's side of the office. That's why I'm so mad. <sighs> and then that was my first time headlining a comedy club in New York. That's awesome, man. So I have, I, yeah, I like I it. Things. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Like this. But That's yeah, sick, um, but yeah, people get past the seller in different ways. Not everybody gets past yeah. the same way. Some people audition. Some people get the the the, the tap and be like, yeah. hey, you know. So well, yeah, I mean, I've had a, you gotta yeah. you gotta be in that. You gotta be in the. You still gotta be there. Yeah, you know to be I mean? a stranger. Like I, yeah, yeah. Like you get like my thing was I was like, how am I gonna work here if mm-hmm. I'm a stranger and no one knows me? So I gotta hang out, and we would just hang out. And we were, they were kicking us out. When I told them, uh, they, they would kick us out. They're like, oh, yeah, I got to go. Like, uh, we went through all that shit. Like, I know I'm making it sound like it happened like that. But that was fucking, like, three years of just getting, like, kicked out. Yeah. Getting talked down to. <laughs> it was worth it. Dude, I'm so happy for you. Once they fuck with you, they fuck with you. Like, yeah. it was like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there was like a time. I don't know what you mean, and, but I'll pretend like I do. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Right. So, if only, like, if only wrong. so we were doing that. We were doing the um, all my friends were yeah. still like trying to just figure this shit out, which we still are trying to figure this shit out. Yeah, but we were trying to do stand up for diversity, and we were standing outside, and this is like first year they had it. This is like the only year they had it as a comedy seller. And we're standing outside, and then the manager Liz, she's mm-hmm. seen it. It was like fucking. 6 5 a.m. And she like she walks past the line and then she goes, What the fuck are y'all doing here? And we're like, <laughs> Oh, we're, we want to perform. She's like, Come inside, get your dumb asses inside. <laughs> and we and she fed us, we ate breakfast and everything. And then when it was our time to perform, we just went downstairs. So that yeah, they like I, I still fuck with that club, even though nice. I'm at Sam Moore, but they definitely took care of take care of the awesome. people they fuck with. Cool. So that's what I mean. I'm like, when you're in there and they fuck with you, they fuck with you. Awesome. Well, Monroe, I'm so happy 
that you came on today. I really appreciate our time together and 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 you just answering my questions and being open. Please, everybody, follow Monroe Martin on Instagram at Monroe Martin the third, or that's three eyes, uh, and Twitter, and the check third. him out mm-hmm. the third. Yep, and check him out on just just Google Monroe Martin. You'll find all his stuff there mm-hmm. as well. Monroe, thank you so much for being here today. Yo, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. You take care. I'll 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 say goodbye properly after I end the recording here.